who are joining us. This month is Family Life Month. And today is Family Life Day. And I see a number of visitors out there in the congregation. I see Sister Kenyal. Amen, Kenyal. Just wait for us. Hallelujah. There you go. And there are other visitors out here in church who have joined us on this special day here at the Abundant Life Church to worship with us and to partake of the blessings of God. And so, those of you who are listening at KKVV and the 1060 AM dial, we're thrilled to have you as usual. For our regular members, our church members, who just can't be here because of all the circumstances, but you're listening right now, as usual, we are extremely happy to have you join us. Those who are watching us live at www.abundantlifelv.org, we are thrilled to have you live. You're in for a treat. Today, we have speaking to us our associate pastor and principal, the Abundant Life Christian Academy, Pastor Johnny Holiday. He's married to one wife and happily married, because I like to say that quality is better than quantity. Quantity is good, but quality is better. So his lovely wife is here, wait for her, Sister Holiday, wonderful, teaches here at the Abundant Life Christian Academy, and uh, three wonderful children. So he's a very happy and proud father as well. He'll be bringing us a message entitled, Blessed. So I ask and crave that you may pray uh, for our speaker this morning, Pastor Johnny Holiday. If you'd like a copy of this sermon, certainly we'd love to hear from you. You can write to us at Abundant Life SDA Church, located at 1720 North J Street, uh, zip code Las Vegas, Nevada, 89106, or call us, 702-647-2627. Before we hear from our speaker, Johnny Holiday, we will have another selection from the Abundant Life Church Choir. Then you'll hear Pastor Johnny Holiday, Hear Ye Him. Thank you. 
Jesus. Say amen again. something with you quickly um, to our visitors in particular we have lunch prepared for you this evening after the service we have lunch prepared for our visitors amen amen now we are going to petition the Holy Spirit to come into this place I understand we have a program at 4 o'clock. I yield to the Holy Spirit. If it's 30 minutes, it's 30 minutes. If it's an hour, don't blame me. Can you do that with me, church? If you would, just take a moment and, and bow with me as we petition the Holy Spirit. Let us pray, dear God in heaven, I come to you a sinner. Father, it is only because of your grace and your mercy that I'm even standing here. Father, I ask that you will take someone like me who doesn't deserve what you have blessed me with, but again, you have been merciful and you've been a good God. Father, I ask that you will engulf me with the Holy Spirit. I ask that you will fill me with the Holy Spirit. I ask that I will be drunken with the Holy Spirit. And that the words from my mouth may be to revere you and only you. In Jesus' name, let everyone under the umbrella of my voice say, Amen. Amen. If you would please turn your Bibles to Psalms. 127 Psalms 127 uh, this morning and we are celebrating families amen yes. Psalms 127 and verses 1 through 5 If you have it, say amen. amen. Let me read in your hearing. Unless the Lord build a house. What did I say, church? Unless the work of the builders is wasted. I like to make it plain. You know that. Your Bible may read a little different from mine. But I'm very conscious of the young people in here. Amen. amen. Unless the Lord protects the city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard. Have mercy. From early morning until late at night. You know, it's good to preach a sermon that has to deal with yourself. Isn't that right? Amen. I tell you, God is good. Anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to, young, to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confront his accusers at the city gates. Let the church say amen. This morning, I want to speak to you on a, type, a topic entitled blessed. What did I say? Blessed. blessed. Now, earlier I heard Sister Sanford say, you all sing, don't just look at me. <laughs> I was here. I wasn't late. I was just meditating, praying, and asking the Lord for the Holy Spirit. She said, don't just look at me, sing. Yeah. 
Now, as you know, if you understand anything about rhetoric, it's not my position to say that the louder you get, the more the Holy Spirit is here. Not saying that by any means. I'm not saying that. But I am saying, if you remember the upper room experience, when the Holy Spirit filled those people and those disciples, and they began to speak, and everyone could understand everyone's language, when the Holy Spirit takes a hold of you, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. If you just sit still, you're either going to be in a coma or you're going to move. But if the Holy Spirit takes hold of you, something's going to happen. Now I say to you, and I submit to you, that I need you to help me preach this sermon this morning. Can you help me preach this sermon this morning? This morning, if we want to have a strong and healthy family, the Lord must first build a home. Can I get an amen, church? The Lord must first build your home. Family relationships will either be dynamic and maturing, or stagnant and dying. Dynamic and maturing or stagnant and dying. The word I used was family relationships. Where are we? Whether that family be dynamic, whether that be the nuclear family or the extended family. Let me first set the premises for family for you all because I think that when we do what we do and when we think what we think, some of us think that family is just Holiday, Anicia, Kanai, Jelani, and Amari. Sometimes we think that's just that's family. But I submit to you, family is Holiday, Anicia, Amari, Adrian, Sister Brown, Elder Pruitt, Sister Bray. Brother Ron, too. Sister LaFon, I submit to you, family does not just exist of the nuclear family standing before you. Oftentimes, people are left out because they feel like I don't have a family. But I submit to you that when you know that your father is God, you have a family all about you right here. How can you come in God's house and say you don't have a family? In fact, I am so happy that if it were not for God, I wouldn't have been where I'm standing here today because my nuclear family did not bring me into the church. It was some extended family. It was some village. It was someone who stepped into my life and said, come here, boy. I want to bring you into God's family. So I submit to you, let's get a clear picture of a family. Let me read to you some intellectual prowess, and then let's break it down. In human context, a family is a group of people affiliated by affinity or co-resistance. In most societies, it is the principal institution for the socialization of children. Are you with me? Extended from the human family, unit by the biological, cultural affinity. Marriage, economy, culture, tradition, honor, physical, and metaphorical are that if they grow increasingly include the extended family and the community. The community, you know the Africans got it right. You know I got to go there. I love them. Because <laughs> we used to hear it and we really, didn't, we really didn't touch bases until Hillary Clinton said it. You remember Henry, Henry, she said, it takes a village to raise a child. All she had to do was go to Kenya and ask them. They would have told her that. That's an African proverb. It takes a village to raise a child. That's why it's so important that when we deal with your little knucklehead kids sometimes. I'm going to go ahead and preach this sermon. When we deal with your little knucklehead kids sometimes, and I love them. Instead of you coming up here getting on my case, maybe if you deal with them too, then we can get something accomplished. It takes a village to raise a child. 
It's amazing to me when sometimes a young person, a parent is so engulfed with a child that the child is doing something that we know is wrong. And the parent has such tunnel vision. And let me give it to you and make it plain. Here's a lake. And you say to the child, son, stay away from the lake. There have been people who have drowned in that lake. And we're standing here with the child's parents. And the child jumps in the lake. And instead of the parents seeing what the child has done, the parents said, wow, did you see how beautiful he jumped in that lake? He folded up and did a cannonball in the lake. Misguided. Can't see what's right because everything is centered around that individual. When we move on, you'll see what Ellen White has to say about that. But when we talk about family, a family group consisting of a father, mother, and children is, of course, the nuclear family. This term can be caused and contrasted with an extended family. This covers couples, singles, children. So as I speak to family, I have just spoken to everybody sitting in front of me and behind me. Let's be very clear that the family is just not the nuclear family or the extended family or the uncles, the aunts, the cousins, so forth and so on. But the family is God's church. God's church is a part and a necessity as it relates to family. In the word of God, in, your, in the word of God in Psalms 127, when it says, accept the Lord, this verse shows futility of attempting any enterprise unless the Lord blesses your plan your plan will not work. This home must be built on the Lord unless he blesses it. Looking at the verse, giveth his love sleep. Those addressed in this verse are the anxious toilers, those who do not get joy out of life because they are too constantly working and experiencing anxiety. These are the toilers who just don't stop. The text, however, goes on and it says, but is the rebuke to those who fret and worry instead of trusting in God? Worried about everything. The Lord said, I will feed a sparrow. Why are you worried about food? I feed the birds. Are you not more than a bird? Why are you worried? But we worry. And he goes on to say, as arrows, the figure denoting both protection and conquest, children of the youth, that is, children of young parents. And in the fifth verse it says, the open space at the gate of the city was a space where questions, questions under dispute were settled. In this text, the gate had to do with disputes being settled and coming. And what I like about it, as it goes on, it talks about a large family. A large family has its cares, but a large family also has its rewards. I remember coming up, now I'm a member of 13 in my family. Anybody out there beat me with more than 13? Oh, Lord. <laughs> guess this is Mississippi, I guess. I don't know. 13 in the family. I remember as a little boy growing up, if you mess with me, you had some problems. About 12 of them. <laughs> family. A large family. But again, there's no family like Jesus' family. Because even with the large family and what they did at that time, did not understand it, but now I do, praise the Lord. Now when you again, let's contextualize the aforementioned information. We have come to realize that all this intellectual jargon may come under a very simple yet complex and most important term or word. And that word is simply happy. Happy or happiness as it relates to family. We all have family, some form of fashion. You're either a part of a nuclear family, extended family, church family. But the question is, are you happy? 
The question is, are you happy in your family? The sermon is entitled, Blessed, Happy. This Hebrew word can also mean blessed or fortunate. The word happy, Hebrew word, blessed or fortunate. Are you with me, church? Psalms chapter 1 and verse 1 is used in this context. Blessed, happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. Happy. The word happy is often associated with those who have found wisdom or express benevolence. Proverbs 6 and 20, 16, 20, submits to us that he who heeds the word wisely will find good and whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. Now, I say that to you because I wonder why so many people are sad. And why so many people hate on those that are happy. Why are you going to hate because I'm happy? Why are you hate because I'm happy? We don't need to be together if we sad. In fact, let me just make it plain. What kind of gods you serving if you're trying to take the law to somebody and you always unhappy? You think they want that kind of God? I don't want what you serving because it looks like you unhappy. So I, I don't want that. I just got to make it simple and plain. So happy. The word blessed has to do with happy. Family, happy. Jesus began the sermon on the mount with the confirmation that he is interested in all of us being happy. Back to that word blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted, happy. Blessed are those that meet, for they shall inherit the earth, happy. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled, happy. Jesus on the mount, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God, happy. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy. First Corinthians, blessed are the unmarried and the widows. Not holiday words, the word of God. Blessed are the unmarried and the widows, but, as someone you know would say, but, <laughs> who cares for things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. Blessed are the widows. Blessed are the unmarried, those who cares for the things of the Lord. What are you saying? Because if you are dedicating yourself to the Lord's work, you just may understand what it means or you just may understand that the only guaranteed relationship is your relationship with God. Amen. That is the only guaranteed relationship. It's the relationship where all promises are kept. It's the relationships that you can bank on with God. It's the relationship that will never disappoint you, Sister Bray. It's the relationship that will get you through all the other relationships. That's the one you need to depend on. It's the relationship that will have you complete and not waiting on someone to complete you. I need to say that again. It's the relationship that will have you complete and not waiting on someone to complete you. When you understand this, you will understand and you will be circumspect about who you may end up with as opposed to just got to have somebody. I just got to have somebody. I just need a warm body laying next to me. It's gotten so bad now they even sharing me. Y'all ain't, ain't been reading? Y'all hadn't been reading? There is an agreement to share me, and now it's so bad. On the college campuses, 10 to 1, and the brothers make sure you know it. Man, we got 10 to 1 up here. <laughs> so some of y'all don't get that. Where they been? It's the truth. 
But you got to understand, when you're rushing God's work and trying to find somebody because of what you want in your plan, you might plan to fail. It's like I once said to someone, it's like making an omelet. A beautiful omelet made with a rotten egg is still a rotten omelet. That's why you got to be careful who you crack with. You better be careful who you crack with. So singles, I didn't forget you today. Be careful who you date. In fact, I have some points for you, singles. I need you to listen to me. Now help me to do this, because you know um, by profession I'm a teacher and I need engagement. Now I need you to help me to do this. Help me to preach the word of God. Now, I'm going to read some things according to the Word of God, not holiday, but everything I read is from the Word of God. It is text-driven. <clears throat> when I read the phrase, I need you to say, it's in the Bible. Let's practice, Pastor Lee Wars. <laughs> Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It's in the Bible. Have mercy. We got it. <laughs> now, this is for dating, singles. This is for dating. Run from anything that gives you evil thoughts. Don't be teen with those who do not love the Lord. Don't date someone who claims to be a Christian but doesn't live it. Avoid dating people who have a bad temper. Don't date a lazy Christian. Have mercy. Got the pause. And it's in the Bible. I didn't write it. I would give y'all, I'll give you the text of that one because you know y'all might think, okay, let me give you the text. Uh, is it down there? Second Thessalonians 3 and 6. Now I'm gonna go on, we're gonna go do some more. Because we in class. We're gonna do some more. But I want you to think that I'm making up stuff. Okay, are we still with me, class? Okay. Inner beauty counts the most. Date someone with a good attitude. I got to stop right there. Whew, I ain't gonna stay on that one long because you know that's mine. Everything wrong, Sister Peterson. Is anything right? Is there a God you serve that's righteous? Is anything right, Sister Modro? Date someone with a good attitude. In my field, we call them poisonous mushrooms. It's like a poisonous mushroom. If you get to dealing with a poisonous mushroom, it spreads. And it becomes a part of you. So if you date someone with such a bad attitude, look out. You might find yourself with a bad attitude too. Let's go back to class. I need you to say it's in the Bible. Date someone who encourages you and supports you. In a dating relationship, don't be exclusive. Care about others, too. Let the relationship progress step by step. Be decent and true in everything you do. Got to stop. Don't date and wear your skirt up here. And then when you, when you get serious, you know, to get married, then you want to wear them over the knees. <laughs> the brother saw you right here. That's what he saw. That's what he still want. Let me go. Let me go. <laughs> Dating should not... Okay. Be decent. Dating should not include a sexual relationship. Is it in the Bible? I know it. Don't get mad. It's in the Bible. Oh, I need to tell them where it's at. So they can... All right. Dating should not include 1 Corinthians 6, 13, and 18. All right. It's not holiday. It's in the Bible. Okay. Now, keep yourself pure. Sexual desires and activities must be placed under Christ's control. But listen to me, church, and listen to me, singles. I don't believe 
In the acts of the Holy Spirit, I don't believe through the word of God and beating up on people and leaving them there. The word of God says, if you had sex before you were married, if you had sex when you were dating, that doesn't mean that you're lost. We serve a God that has grace. We serve a merciful God. Because the one who's sitting next to you who might been lucky when you see them married, you don't know what they did before they got married. So we're not in a body. The God we serve, he says, if, you done, if you've done that, it's not too late. First, acknowledge your sin. Psalms 51 and 2 says, oh, watch me cleanse my Lord. Cleanse me from the guilt that I feel from what I've done before I got married. Because I know you can make me pure again. It's because of you. It's because of you that I can be pure again. It's because I touch the hem of your garment I can be pure again. It's because of you, God, that I'm pure again. So I said, fret not if you've not done it, if you've done it because God is still in the saving business. So you first admit. Second, ask for forgiveness for your sin. God says you can start all over again. It's in the Bible. God said, third, believe that God has indeed forgiven you and quit feeling guilty. Quit feeling guilty because if you feel guilty, you must not have been forgiven. So if you ask God, leave it in God's hand. Leave it in God's hand. He's a merciful God. What happiness for those whose guilt has been forgiven? God has a mate for you. Remember this, singles. God has a mate for you. And guess what? It's in the Bible. God has a mate for you. It's good. For man, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a companion for him, a helper suited for his need. Sometimes someone hadn't come yet because you ain't ready for what God's getting ready to give you. You got to get yourself right before God give you that hunk of a man that you see looks so good that looks like he's six foot two, dark. Come on now. Six foot two, dark. Back in the day when light-skinned men were in, so six foot two, light. So that man that looks so good to you, but you hadn't seen what the word of God said, it's not the outside of that man that God got for you, it's what's on the inside of that man. It has always been said, a suit don't make the man, the man make the suit. So the God that we're talking about, he got somebody for you. The word of God said, ask the Lord for a mate, he'll give you a mate. God will give you your heart's desire. Remember, your father knows exactly what you need if you just ask him. Now, let me deal with you married people, self-included. Let's go to class. What I need you to say is, it's in the Bible. All right, marriage is permanent. <laughs> and your husband show the same kind of love to your wife as Christ showed to the church. Oh, now. A man is really doing himself a favor and loving himself when he loves his wife. Have mercy. It's in the Bible. Husbands should honor their wives. You wives, you wives must submit to your husbands. It's in the Bible. However, However, the word of God said, no, marriage requires submission by both partners. That's why every morning I rise at 5.30 fixing lunch in my house, my, my mindset, my psyche, my mental prowess, my makeup doesn't say that my wife is supposed to be always cooking. Cause let me make it plain to you. We got a little girl. Her hair has to be combed. She has to have on clothes in the morning. I'm not the one. I can do a lot of stuff, but I don't know how to comb hair. And I'm not interested. So why is it 
If the word of God said we got to be equal with this thing and work with each other and love one another as the Lord loved the church, why is it not easy for me to get up in the morning, cook lunch for that woman, make sure them children got something to eat so what we can be happy? I ain't got to go home and everybody all upset, everybody in one accord, everybody happy, and then let me make it plain. I hate this because it's true. The worst thing you can do to a woman is beat her down and then expect her to perform in the bedroom. That's just a little for the kids, not much coming. Not much coming. But it's true. Love making begins in the kitchen, living room, bedroom, everywhere. You got to treat her right. Can't expect her to be a Hercules or something, and all of a sudden, you know, you come and put your feet up on the sofa and expect her to cook the meal and wait on you and all of this. Then you expect her to perform, you crazy? We're going to stay with the word. I'm just telling you the word. I'm making it plain. It's the word. Just making it a little plain, but it's the word. It's in the word. Husbands, love your wife. Do not be harsh. Do not be harsh, and we can't leave you out, wives. Can't leave you out. Now, this is the one they don't want to deal with. I said a little for the kids, but I got to give just a little more. There's one that says your body is not your own. Had to deal with that one because that's all men think about anyway. For the most part, that's, you know, that's what they say, but that's not true. We, we're a little more complex than that. But the truth is, when you read that, it even talks about, and you all know the scripture, I'll just give it to you without notes. It talks about how important it is for if, you know, unless the woman is fasting and praying, how, how you don't withhold and all this stuff. I ain't going to stay there. I'm not going to stay there. But you got to understand the makeup of men, how God made us. And you know who used to amaze me listening to it? Our grandmothers who have never gone to school or had any type of sociology classes, did not go to the University of Georgia, did not get their PhD from uh, Las Vegas, uh, this place up here in Las Vegas, uh, UNLV. You know, they didn't go to Morehouse. Let me give you a little history. Morehouse, uh, Tuskegee University, um, you know, Alcorn State University. Y'all probably never heard of those. Uh, Alcorn, uh, Grambling State, just a few more, you know, Jackson State University. They never went there. They never went there, but the older ladies, they, they were, you know, God was with them. Because they could say stuff, an older woman could, could just mess you up. She could look at a younger woman, and she could look at the husband of the younger woman and say, baby, your husband seems a little frustrated. <laughs> That's all she would say. That's all she would say. And I was young, I didn't really know what she was talking about. But they are amazing, aren't they? Older people, they know. They study the word of God, and they don't get all the degrees, but they know. So we must understand, treatment is so important. That's why sometimes you look at men and women, and you start comparing the outside, and how did he get her? She don't look like she should be with him, or he don't look like he should be with her. But what you don't understand is God is with both of them. And when God is inside both of them, they're together because you're looking at the outside and God is looking at the inside. So you can't get that one right. You got to be careful. Let's go on with the word of God. Keep the relationship growing in unity and understanding. Always to be led along together by the Holy Spirit. Always to be led along together by the Holy Spirit. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed is kept pure. Leave it at that. For the sake of kids, let's move on. Do not be mismated with unbelievers. Word of God. Romance and the gift of sexuality are blessed by God when exercised with the bonds of marriage when exercised with the bonds of marriage. Let your manhood be a blessing. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. Let her charms and tender embrace satisfy you. Boy, you know, Jesus, God was a poet, wasn't he? Man, look at that. Now, 
When we surpass all the dating stage we just talked about, perhaps we can look at some points that address the nuclear and the extended family. Unless the Lord builds a home, unless the Lord builds a home, how can we have healthy family relationships? We must be reminded that the church is our family. I can't say that enough. When we talk about family, there are five environments that we operate under, and, the fall, and, and they fall under two, two entities, progress and pain. Progress and pain. Now listen at this, listen at what the research says. Most of our progress deals with the physical environment, wealth, technology, the things, the material world. Young people, you know, every time a new phone come out, you got to get it. My son laughs at me because I have the same phone that, that, uh, Grace, that Maddie Wells Elementary School brought 10 years ago. I got the same phone. Guess what? All I need to do is be able to say hello to you. But you got to understand this. It's back to that word I said, blessed, which is dealing with happy. I tell my son, and when I say this, I'm telling you, this is really to me, it's so deep because my prayer for all young people is this. I am happy. Do you realize that kids get toy after toy after toy after toy after toy? They play with one, throw it away. Play with one, throw it away. There is a satisfaction in them that's not being met. So every time, that's why they do what they do. They make new stuff because they know you need to play. That's, and it's about satisfaction, it's about happiness. I'm happy with my phone. The one you got to hit, you know, y'all can hit one word and you can text. I got to hit the same number three times to get to the right, you know, I got to do that to get to the right letter. But you can, you can do your thing quicker. But I'm happy. I'm happy. Are you happy? That's what it's all about. Blessed, 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 blessed. That's what it's all about. Can you be happy not getting the next phone? Can you? Blessed, but that's what it says, physical environment. It says cognitive environment. Most of our progress, knowledge, information, education, the intellectual world, that's most of our progress. We are more educated now than we've ever been. We are more educated now than we've ever been. But the research says that the larger percentage of people are, un I mean, are educated, meaning this, we are educated but still unhappy. Why? Because the word of God said, unless you build this house on the Lord, it doesn't matter what you have, build a house. Now, I'm not submitting to you not to have anything because I've been poor, and I'm not interested in that. <laughs> Just had to tell you the truth, not interested. Been there, done that. I've been in the one room house where you look through the front door and you see right out the door. You look and see, I've been there. Not interested in that. The kids, they get into the toys. <coughs> they get into the toys. I've been where, and I know some of you can attest to this, where we had to make our toys. We had to get a clothes hanger and make a slingshot. We had to go and get a, get a hose that you use for watering, get the hose, then you get a, a stick from the broom, cut it and shave it so right and make you a tiny ball gun. You never heard of a tiny ball gun? We used to get wheels that we found and get boards and build go-cars and get the big boy behind it and put the lit boy on the go-kart and the biggest boy pushing them and we racing. That's what we used to do. I submit to you that that was good though because it created critical thinking skills. It created critical thinking skills. Now, but this is what it said. Let me give you these three and we're gonna close out here. It says, most pain. We said our most progress is physical environment and cognitive environment. Our most pain is social environment. Do you realize our most pain is social environment? 
Do you know what that is? Family, friends, neighbors, even the church. That's what the research said. Most of the pain that we feel, emotional environment is the second one. Feelings, attitude, that's the pain. The other pain, spiritual environment, the eternal, not having a relationship with God. This is what the research is saying. Now, as we close, as Sister Brown come up and play for me, as we close, I want to give you five simple points as it relates to healthy family relationships. The first one that must be in that family is the word covenant. Covenant. Not contract, but covenant. To love and be loved. Covenant. The first two mentions of covenant in the Bible are found in Genesis with Noah and with Abraham. Are you with me? Covenant, everlasting, covenant in your relationship, in your home, in your church. There must be a trust that we can have one for the other. That's why people are reluctant in telling sometimes what's going on with them. People want to reach out. But if they wanted the whole church to know, they'll tell you. Amen. Please get that. That's so important. Amen. People need to talk with one another. But it's not for everybody's ears. In fact, some ears are already in trouble or having emotional problems that they can't hear what you got to tell them. You have to be careful. Covenant. Number two, grace. Not law, but grace. To give, to forgive, and to be forgiven. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. Are you with me, church? Yes. Family relationships, as designed by God, are meant to be lived out in an atmosphere of grace and not law. My little boy, stories are important. My wife don't know this. <laughs> it's not that bad, baby. You can handle it. But Kanai, and it's interesting because it's me telling it this way, because you would think it's the other way around. But Kanai said to me recently, he said, I'm tired, Daddy. Mama keeps telling me to do this and that, and every time I move, do this and do that. And the little fella was, you know, we have duties and responsibilities at the Holiday Clan. One of his duties is to, if we're not going to mop the whole floor, he get a little rag in the Windex, and he spot clean. The little fella was cleaning. I just went over there and got on my knees, and I started cleaning with him. My heart went out to him because he said he was tired. He doesn't normally say that. I just started cleaning with him. We have laws, but God has grace. And our home should exercise grace. Empowering. Number three, empowering. Not possessive power. To serve and to be served. This one has to do with, we say the man is the head of household. But I would never go out and buy a $40,000 car without consulting my wife. I would never do anything that I know would cause her problems because the word of God says submit yourselves to your husband. It doesn't mean that. She is to be respected as the church is respected in love. Therefore, my every decision must be ran by that woman. Empowering her and empowering the children. Having children to pray and studying their Bibles.